0: On today's show, the Hawks get swept in Miami over a three-day period, a couple of close-fought losses, and the game on Monday evening was a frustrating one for Hawks fans, up by as many as 15 points in the first half, and it just slowly got out of control for the Hawks down the stretch, and we'll get into all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1426 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And I want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen here at the Locked on Hawks podcast each and every day across podcast platforms and really anywhere you listen to podcasts, We can be found at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, and we are also on video over at YouTube. And today's show will break down what became a 130-128 to loss for the Hawks down in Miami, a uh, a backbreaker for the Hawks in a lot of ways, a frustrating loss for sure. Atlanta was up up by 15 points in the first quarter of this game after an offensive bonanza, quite honestly, we'll come come back to later on. I guess it was a rematch from Saturday. It was also a sweep in Miami over three days, and I talked about that game as well on this same podcast feed. But with this loss – The Hawks now 32 and 33 again, below 500, and also importantly, kind of a double loss or at least a loss and a half, because Miami is a direct competitor in the playoff race, as well as this fact. that This also decides the season series in favor of Miami. So the Hawks now have to pass the Heat in the standings by a full game versus actually, you know, winning the tiebreaker and having that be a tie game, a tie situation over 82 games. So certainly. more than a typical loss in terms of one, eight, 1 out of 82, I am always one that kind of drives home the fact that you don't want to overreact to any single result. And big picture, the Hawks are actually playing better basketball. It may not feel that way, obviously, with their results in recent days, but there have been a lot of encouraging trends. But obviously, the coin Liner era was not going to turn things over overnight. I know some fans maybe may hope for that, and it was always plausible. But uh, I think a lot of good trends overall. But we'll get into the game now, sort of how this one should be received in the big picture. And we'll discuss the offense for sure. It was quite good in this game because the game went the wrong way. And uh, honestly, if you're choosing what side of the floor to be more upset about in this one, it had to be the defense. So they allow a 134 defensive rating to the Heat in this game. And Miami came into the night with a bottom five offense in the NBA. I will say to be charitable, the Heat are better than that, especially when they play small and uh, like they did in this game. Uh, Kevin Love was out, so they actually played basically small ball the entire game. Jimmy Butler at the four, more shooting with Max Struess and Duncan Robinson, etc. So they're better on offense with that group for sure. This has changed the reality, though. The Hawks gave up too many points, too much efficiency, and uh, while some of that is a hat tip to Miami, Hawks did not play great defensively in this game. The big swing of the night, if I had to choose just one thing, was three-point variance. And now that's a very obvious thing to look at, but it also is important. Uh, Miami was 16 of 29 from three. That's 55%. Not huge volume, but making 16 of them, that's a lot of points at three-point line. The Hawks were nine of 29. So they lost their point line by seven makes. Same amount of attempts. Hawks made seven fewer shots. That's minus 21 from three. And by the way, that included the Hawks making two threes in the final four seconds of the game when it was basically already decided. So at that point, the Hawks were actually minus 27 from three in the competitive portion of the contest. So clearly there was some uh, some variance there. Cody Martin, Victor Oladipo, Dr. Robinson all made shots at a high level. The Hawks didn't have a terrible shooting night, but it certainly wasn't good from three. And that's been a theme this year for the Hawks, just not making enough shots from three-point range. The Hawks did actually did win the glass defensively and did a good job in the turnover battle overall. But the other big factor, in addition to three-point shooting, was the free throw line. And this is a controversial topic always when it comes to officiating and whistles and free throws. But the Heat were 32 of 37 from the line in this game. I am not one to dwell on officiating too much. In fact, I try not to really much at all unless it's glaring to me. But the Hawks did not get a friendly whistle in this game. Granted, you expect that on some level down in Miami or really any hostile environment. But, and look, part of that was the Hawks did over foul. They were pretty aggressive in this game, but Miami took 14 more free throws than the Hawks did in this one and shot also much better. Now that's more controllable, and the Hawks only were uh, 17 of 23. So the Hawks actually missed more attempts than the Heat did, despite Miami taking 14 more. That's actually something you can control. Whereas Miami made all their shots. Credit to them, but also took a lot of them. And my pal, Glenn Willis, who, by the way, posted a great video over at my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash btroland on Sunday into Monday. I uh, pointed out after the game, it was actually a good point, I thought, that Quinn Snyder's approach is, seems to be more aggressive defensively. They're asking them to be a little bit more um, hands-on and more uh, sort of in-your-face defensively. That's probably a good thing for this roster in my mind. But the Hawks have kind of predicated themselves on not fouling and not getting a lot of free throw attempts allowed. In fact, they're top 10 in the league in opponent free throw rate this year. And that probably will not hold with this current approach. So some the unf- unf- whistles for sure. Ended up being a huge swing in the game, honestly. And it's just one of those games that maybe the Hawks will be sending the tape into the league with some frustration about how the game was called. And uh, I'm sure that Glenn and Kevin Schnarr and others have been posting clips about this game. There were some bad calls in favor of the Heat in this one. A couple off the top of my head that we'll come back to later on. You know, Collins had one or two. Congo had a couple. Uh, Jalen Johnson had five fouls in a hurry. I think only maybe three of them were with a right call, et cetera. So some unfortunate stuff there but uh, you know, also just kind of a two-way street, and that was ended up being big. So if you're trying to look at two numbers that, is, that sort of decided this game, I would say three-point variants and free-throw attempts, and both of those went to Miami in stark fashion. Um, again, I don't think the Hawks played that poorly on defense, but they didn't play well either, and given how insane the offense was for the Hawks in that first quarter, Honestly, the Hawks should have probably been up by more than they were. It was 15 points at one point was their, was their uh, largest lead. But given just how crazy the offense was, it probably should have been 20-plus. But even then, I kind of noted quietly on Twitter that they were giving up a lot of points, and that ended up being the case throughout the throughout this contest. Um, we'll get into the offense now briefly before we come back to this sort of how this game unfolded. But Atlanta was quite good on offense. No question about that. The Heat are a good defensive team. They're not as good when they play small, but they're well-coached. Bam is great. Jimmy's great, et cetera. And the Hawks ended up with about a 133 offensive rating in this game. That is an excellent figure in any context against any opponent, much less on the road against Miami. By my count, though, that was only, I say only, because that's still a pretty good number, only only 118 in the final three quarters. Now, that would have been good enough to win a lot of games this year um, and would have been very good against Miami's defense overall. But we'll talk about it more later. The offense, though, in the first quarter was just preposterously good, like impossibly, unsustainably good. Uh, But the full game numbers were still pretty strong for the Hawks. 70 points in the paint for Atlanta. They shot 67% on twos. That's an excellent number. 28 assists. 11 turnovers. Awesome numbers there. 17 second chance points. That's a very good figure. Good balance as well. It wasn't like just one guy went crazy. It's seven guys in double figures. Four guys had at least 17 points for the Hawks. They got bounce backs from Trey Young and John Collins on offense in this game. And also, DeJounte Murray was much better as well. So after some bad performances from Trey and DeJounte and John offensively in the game on Saturday, all three of those guys were better. Uh, there was no one that was just like notably terrible on offense in this game. It's just the Hawks. Didn't have quite enough juice to go to the line. And uh, there were positives, again, but and the numbers were really good. But after the first quarter, they were ordinary, not in a terrible way, but certainly not quite as sustainable. And uh, that was not quite enough to go over the finish line. And look, big picture, it's, it's 1 of 82. I do understand that on this particular night, there was more at stake. And I even said it before the game just to make sure that I got it out there. This was a game I think the Hawks needed to win to achieve their goals. Now, does that mean every door is closed? No, but they've been on the record across the board, coaching staff, players as the six seed. And you know basically avoiding the play-in has been their goal now for a few weeks. And this is a a, bi- a big loss for that. It doesn't mean it's over, but certainly a head-to-head, also just getting swept on there in Miami against a team that you probably have to pass to get to the six seed. It's tough. Um, you know, Snyder said after the game, he's pleased with the competitiveness of the Hawks team, how hard they played in this one. I agree with that. Uh, but they also had to get this one. They were two and a half point underdogs, yes, but led for the lion's share of this one. And uh, it's been a familiar story this year. Obviously, it's a much different team now, much, much different approach with this new coaching staff. But the Hawks have had a lot of blown leads that they were not able to sort of pull out of the fire. And this one goes on that column at this point. All right. We'll get into how this game sort of unfolded and how it sort of. Ebbed and flowed in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat this time of year, but you don't want all the fat and calories to come along with some treats out there, Built Bar is a fantastic option for you. I know a goal of mine this year is to eat a little bit healthier in 2023, and if you're anything like me, having the taste is a really big, important factor in what you're going to be eating. With Built Bar, healthy is tasty, and they're delicious. You wouldn't even believe they're actually healthy for you as well. They have 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate in Built Bars, and they have a ton of awesome flavors. Cookies and cream is my personal favorite, and they have peanut butter brownie and coconut almond and many more. They have 100 30 calories and only four grams of sugar. Plus they have 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait to get a box right now. Today, built bars are available at built.com. And I'm telling you for a long time get your, to get your pro bars there. It's still an awesome option for you that the whole catalog available, but they also can be found at Walmart or Sam's club. Yes. Get a box at Walmart right now, or a 13 bar box at Sam's club. if That's close and convenient for you. Make sure you check out built bar no matter where you get your built bars and dive in today. So I teased this earlier, but the Hawks had this incredible offensive display in the first quarter, and it really happened immediately. In fact, both teams were unconscious at the start of this game, but the Hawks scored on their first 11 possessions. (laughs) That is outrageous. All good looks, all going to the rim. They had their first 18 points of the night in the paint. Good pace, good shot quality. They were in attack mode the entire time. And I will say, part of that was that Miami... Decided to kind of go offense-leaning on their lineups without Kevin Love in there. Obviously, he's not great defensively either, but he was he's big. They were playing a lot of uh, Hero and Struess and Hero and Robinson and much more uh, vulnerable, we'll say, defensive lineups. But still, the Hawks were very, very, very good. out of the the gate offensively there was a 20 to 4 run by atlanta to go by 15 points mid-quarter they shot 83 percent from the floor in the first nine minutes with one turnover that's just basically perfect offense and yeah they were always going to cool off a little bit but it was crazy They, they actually did a mass substitution three guys came in before the hawks had a single empty possession on offense just ridiculous stuff that you never ever see um Typical rotation extra for the last three games for the Hawks just for the record there. Jalen Johnson has been in there over AJ Griffin. We'll see if that changes at some point. Maybe it'll change against the Washington series. that's coming up later this week, but it's been Jalen. Joe had, had a rougher game in this one than he has previously made that sort of the, uh, the changing of the guard there, but uh, no, no surprises on the rotation line of the nine guys who appeared. They finally missed some shots late, in, including Trey misses and free throws, but then Sadiq Bey got hot at the end of the first quarter. He had three threes in, a, in like a three minute period and the Hawks were by 13 points at the end of the first quarter. And again, just an absurd quarter of offense. 43 points on 24 possessions. That's 179 offensive rating. <laughs> just ludicrous. Uh, just for some reference here, a new season high for the Hawks in a first quarter. A second, Sorry, the second most they've, ever, that they've scored in a quarter this entire season was 43 points. Also, the most points Miami has allowed in any quarter to any opponent this year. So that all speaks for itself. Just a crazy performance there. They shot 76% from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3. Had 22 points in the paint, had 11 assists at as a season high for a quarter, one turnover. The way that I'll put this now is that the Hawks gave up a 130 defensive rating, which again, as I said before, is bad. It was bad the whole game defensively, and they were up by 13 points. It's really hard to give up that kind of production defensively in a quarter in the NBA and be up by 13, and that happened in this game. So from there, obviously... Uh, It was not all heat the rest of the way, but Miami did win the last three quarters, albeit narrowly in the third. uh, And they just kind of chipped away the entire way. Uh, First in the beginning of the second quarter, Jalen Johnson had sort of a, a tough stretch. I thought he found a three point shooter. He missed a couple of shots. He got lost a few times defensively in pretty glaring fashion, had three fouls in five minutes. It was a, a game where Jalen looked like he was a rookie again. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen. I'm not worried about that, but he was he was bad in this game. He struggled in a big way. There was an entertaining sequence, I thought, between DeJounte Murray and Bam Adebayo, uh, kind of one-on-one, and uh, not what you would expect because Bam's a center. But Murray beat him on a great drive from the corner on one possession, and then Bam locked him up. On the next one, just kind of a nice sort of star making on both sides of the floor there. But the Heat picked up their their on-ball pressure, I thought, in the second quarter quite a bit. The Hawks were still hot, but it was not like they were getting the same quality of shots in the second quarter. And Miami got it down to eight pretty quickly. There was even like a weird five-second call on the Hawks on out-of-balance play. There was a lineup that I wanted to mention as well that Trey played with Sadiq Bey, Hunter Collins, and Akongwu. So, a pretty big group on the wings. Didn't stay with it too long, but I thought it was always notable that they even tried that lineup. But Miami got, got down to five at halftime after being down by 15 points. Miami was getting in the line again quite a bit. And the Hawks missed the free throws, as I said before. But, uh, you know, the fact that the Hawks were as good as they were in offense in the first half, only up by five was a red flag for sure. The the third quarter was kind of like the the quieter quarter in a lot of ways. Um, I thought it was actually a good coaching moment early in the third. John Collins, who had been out of sorts the last week and a half, basically, but really struggling, he got his fourth foul early in the third, and they could have pulled him. I think most coaches would have pulled him at that point in time. They didn't do that, but it it made sense if you think about it. Like I'm usually against the auto bench practice of taking guys out with fouls um, most of the time, but because Collins is not going to be playing 35 minutes a game with with, with his current alignment with Sadiq Bay and how he's playing – so there's no reason to like panic about his minutes. And then after that, Collins scored seven points in about four minutes. And that was a good coaching moment. I thought there, um, Miami had their one big run of that quarter. It was like a nine, two in the middle of the quarter Um, with I would say some bad officiating along the way. As I said before, there was a terrible non-call on a foul. that should have been called on Jimmy Butler in which my, my pal, Bob Rothman lost his mind on the broadcast in rightful fashion. And then Hunter thought he got fouled as well with a no call on the floor. Um, He actually tied it briefly late in the third. They never lost the lead. But um, the Hawks stopped making threes, which is a big part of the second half of this game. They were one of 11 from three in the third quarter, and that uh, sort of uh, continued, I would say, after a good start. It was uh, rough from three until the final four seconds of the fourth quarter. Um, the big run by Miami that kind of put them over the top in some respects was a 12 to 4 run early in the fourth, given the lead for the first time since it was 11 to 10 in favor of the Hawks early on. Old Depot had a good quarter. For Miami, they brought Trey back in earlier than usual. That was the right decision because they they were really struggling without him. Um, both offenses got going in a big way in the middle of the third, uh, Sorry, of the fourth quarter, uh, trading baskets like three or four possessions in a row on both sides. But just Trey had seven points in a row. Miami was scoring back. Um, they did try to steal a few possessions with Bay at the three defensively. That did not work at all. He couldn't stay with Duncan Robinson off the screen. Something to sort of monitor for the future there. But then they tied it with 545 to go into a timeout. Then the Hawks had this disastrous about 75-second stretch in between timeouts. They came back with Hunter and gave Murray a quick rest. They gave up two threes in a row to Miami, including one after Miami got back-to-back offensive rebounds, just a killer sequence. And then Hunter had a turnover in the middle of that. So it was a minus six in about a minute, uh, maybe a little bit more than a minute. That was tough. And then the Hawks never led again from there. Uh, Miami did uh, sort of have some hiccups. The Hawks got it back within three after a big jump shot by Murray. But the offense was not great after that. Hunter took two bad jump shots. Murray missed right at the rim. The Hawks actually were fortunate to kind of lo- not lose this game earlier, honestly. Tyler Hero had a wide open three that he usually makes to put the heat up by, by 10 with like 140 to go. He missed it. And then Trey, to his credit, made a couple of really tough shots in a row to get them really back in, engaged. And then DeJounte Murray had a steal and a layup to bring the Hawks back within three with 47 seconds remaining. Then the Hawks got to stop. Bam was called for a travel on a shot that he actually made. He was trying to get uh, – he got Hunter in the air trying to draw a foul but ended up shuffling his feet. It was the right call. But the Hawks had the ball, down three with a chance. And then Trey, after actually he played very well before this in the fourth quarter but had, had a bad turnover. The shot clock was uh, off so the Hawks had to foul. They foul Butler. He makes both. And that was basically the end of the game. The Hawks, again, did make two meaningless threes. If you had the Hawks over at FanDuel – uh plus two plus two and a half or three as the hawks runner dogs they actually ended up back covering because of murray uh making a three at the, very, at the very very end of the game so that's a small victory for you but uh yeah the hawks were you know they led this game for probably three quarters maybe even more than three quarters of this game and it was just not quite enough at the very end it was ill-timed and they had chances to even get back in the game They they sort of valiantly did not, did not roll over when they could have lost this one kind of going away uh, but that that layup by Murray was a, was a big shot, and the Hawks had the ball again. With the, they had the ball down three, and just turned the ball over at an, an opportune time, and that was the end of that. So, obviously, a lot to get into there if you want to. But it's one of those things where there were opportunities for sure, but the Hawks also just shot himself in the foot a few times. I thought individually as we'll get into in a second, some guys had some struggling performances. I thought Hunter was particularly shaky in this one. The bench was not as was not as good as it's been the last couple of games. And then Miami made made a bunch of plays. Jimmy Butler was good, um, and their bench was awesome in this game. Unfortunately, kind of Hawks killer stuff. I know my friend Jason Walker talks about this a little bit. Uh, Caleb Martin had a huge game for Miami, just kind of randomly off the bench, 21 points on like, I think, 12 shots. Just a crazy number there. Old Depot had a big game. Dr. Robinson, back from the dead, hits uh, three threes in this game. So some bad luck, some bad performances, and also some bad variance in the the end that leads to a two-point loss on the road in Miami. All right, we'll get into the individual player-by-player breakdowns. If you're a new listener to the podcast, what we do on the show is get into uh, kind of what everyone did that appeared in the game positively, negatively, big picture, small picture, and all that. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and the stretch run is here in the NBA, of course. The best time of year is also here in college basketball, and a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Customers that are new get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 at FanDuel. That means bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet doesn't win, and download the sportsbook app right now over at FanDuel. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use, but anything you're looking for in the sports world. That includes point spreads, and totals, and futures, and money lines, and player props, et cetera. The Hawks are headed to Washington, D.C. for the next three or four days to play the Wizards on Wednesday and friday and that will be full handicaps available at fanduel also many more Swiss bets are available at fanduel that includes the two by three which actually they'll have two threes in the first three minutes of any nba game plus FanDuel family which combine bets together for a bigger payout with a same game parlay don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet to one thousand dollars at fanduel right now and you can get it at fanduel.com slash locked on that is fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel official sportsbook partner of the nba Okay, and a nine-man group for the Hawks in this game. No garbage time. Uh, kind of weird. I'm not sure if it was all signal or noise, just like it wasn't the other direction. Uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to the plus-minuses with Sadiq Bay and John Collins in the f- previous three or four games, and that flipped in this one. And I'm not, It's not because of those guys individually, just kind of the way this game went, but Bay was a team-worst minus 16 in this game like by far. Um, I don't think he was bad. I think offensively he's been really, really good. 17 points on 10 shots for Sadiq six rebounds, three assists. I said this during the game as well. I think um within realistic expectations, the Hawks could not possibly be more excited about the way that he is playing on offense and not, I, I want to stress the way he's playing, not just the way he's performing because look, he's making a lot of shots. He's shooting like 52% from three. That's going to come down. I don't care who you are, but Bay is getting them up in a good way. Taking open shots. He's not doing too much on offense. That's, that's very important. Um, offensive rebounds kind of sticking in there for for a couple of those and putbacks um, moving the ball when he's when he's asked to do that i think offensively he's doing exactly what the hawks want him to do and that's a very good sign even if he starts to request from three which he will um it's it's been really really encouraging he had the rep in detroit of someone who will potentially maybe try to do a little bit too much on offense but i think i think he kind of like knows his role right now as this like you know bench combo forward gunner from three-point range and it's been very very effective for the hawks um defensively it's been quite bad, honestly. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to overdo it, but it's been. I think he's probably been their worst defender that he got here, and that that's a team that includes Trey Young and McDonovich. So there you go. But uh, we'll leave it there for now. It was a uh, tale of two sides of the floor for Bay, but I, I, I do want to stress on offense has been very very effective, and I don't think that his, it's his fault that they were minus sixteen with him on the floor in this game. Uh, bogey. Was okay uh, defensively. Had some moments in a bad way. Of course, had twelve points on nine shooting possessions. Two of five from three. Had two assists and a steal. Um, I think he was just kind of in the middle of the you know mediocre. He was fine. Didn't kill them, but certainly not great. Uh, Jalen Johnson had a rough one. Uh, five fouls and eight minutes for Jalen. Uh, did have seven rebounds. He was flying around using his uh, using his force, but I think uh, he was just a little bit overwhelmed. Miami's a difficult matchup in a lot of ways, and I think he was probably due for one of these at some point, but a little bit over aggressive, Still played fine other than the fouls, but obviously uh, you're going to hurt your team fouling that much, and uh, I think at least one or two of those were probably bad calls, but he didn't have a great game in this spot. Conway was pretty quiet too. Six points in 14 minutes, two far from the floor, two rebounds. Not his best work, not his worst either, but he certainly wasn't very good by his standards in this game. Um, speaking of the center position, Clint Capella, 12 points, 10 rebounds, had an assist, two turnovers. Uh, Made all six of his shots, did miss two free throws at the line, but I thought he played fairly well. They played him uh, a lot more than usual. I I actually noticed that later on. Um, Kongwu had some foul trouble, not crazy, and Capella played 34 minutes, which is not the usual. So I think it's a good thing, but Snyder is very willing to ride the hotter hand of the two of them, and that's the right approach. When you have these two guys in Capella and Kongwu who give you 48 minutes of really good center play, Usually, one of them will have it going, at least more than the other, and it's okay to kind of ride that. It was Capella on this night. It'll be a Kongu later on. That's totally fine. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, I thought, struggled probably more than anybody on the roster in this game. And the box score looks fine. 14 points, four rebounds, four assists, three turnovers. Uh, a couple of those were bad. Um, 613 in the floor. like He wasn't great in the box score, but not terrible. If you watched it, his processing on offense was really rough. His his decision-making, his ball handling. um, Defensively, he had a really rough game by his standards. I think that – I said this during the game as well. He's clearly the best wing-slash-on-ball defender on the roster, and that kind of gives him a reason to be playing all the time. Even when he's not playing well – they default to having him out there, which makes sense, especially against Jimmy Butler. But he got beaten up by Butler a couple of times in this game. And I thought that, you know, Hunter, a couple of um, a couple of bad calls, I will say, in uh, against him like they were for everybody else. But I thought he struggled in this one. Um, he'll have better games than this, for sure. Uh, I think in the last couple of weeks, he's not been his best either. So we'll keep an eye on that in the future. But uh, one to forget, I think, for DeAndre, for the most part. Um, John Collins bounced back, 17 points on 11 shots. Yeah, t- sorry, 12 shots but if, you go, if you include free throws. One of four from three, but was a six of seven on twos, was much more aggressive. Um, this is kind of the, the the sweet middle for Collins in terms of uh, there's the very passive side that we've seen in the last couple of games, which, which you don't want to see. Also, the Hawks are still not really running anything for him, but what, he has to kind of just force the issue with activity and cutting and just offensive rebounding, and all that stuff too. Uh, the glass was not a, was not a strength for him in this game by any means, but... Um, everything else was good. Defensively, I thought he played well. Um, and offensively, his best game in a little bit. So, uh, by the way, 20 minutes again for Collins. You anyway, know, he's still in foul trouble in this game as well, but they're not afraid to play Sadiq more than him. That's okay with me. Um, I think, you know, Collins is still has value. There's been this whole discussion online and offline about, you know, whether Collins is quote unquote unplayable or now that he's just like terrible. So that's all very silly. He's obviously not terrible nor unplayable. But, um you know, the Hawks are still they, they have options. They have Jalen Johnson. They have Sadiq Bay. Those guys can play when they, when they have it going. Collins was a positive, like very clearly in this game, not only in the plus minus, but just generally speaking as a contributor in this spot. So a nice uh, encouraging game for him on offense for sure. And then Young and Murray were much better in this game than they were. On Saturday, obviously, I talked about it a lot on that show after the game, but uh, it was basically impossible or was close to it for the Hawks to win in Miami with the way that DeJounte and Trey played on offense in that game on Saturday. And tonight they weren't their absolute best selves, but they were both much better and totally solid. Uh, Maria 23 points on 19 shots, not great from three, but was, uh, I believe, nine of 13 on twos, eight assists. Two steals, no turnover for DeJounte is very, very nice as well. A couple of big plays late. And then Trey, again, same thing. He wasn't fantastic, but 25 points on uh, 21 June possessions, seven assists. Defensively, he got a lot of praise from Quinn Snyder after the game, and I, th- I think rightfully so. We talked about that even on Saturday when I wanted to make sure to say, like, Look, Trey was really bad on offense on Saturday. He was quite good on defense And on this game. He wasn't as good as that, but he certainly contributed. He played hard, and I think Snyder said that he's taking pride on that on the floor more. Um, The hope is that it's not just like a new coach bump for Trey and This is actually a new baseline. We will see on that, but certainly in the last couple of weeks, he has been good defensively. His best defensive stretch of his career, I would say. So that's uh, that's encouraging. And I think that you know, aside from that late turnover, he had a good game in the fourth quarter as well. A couple of big shots to keep them right there engaged. And you know, Trey still has a kryptonite of sorts with Miami, but this is one step against getting away from that because obviously he's been okay against Miami at times in the past. It's just the last like year he's really struggled, but this is one of his better games against the heat in a while and 25.7 assists and uh, fairly good efficiency is a pretty strong performance. And again, it was the offense that was fine in this game and the defense that really wasn't for Atlanta. Okay. From here, we'll get out of here now, but uh, as I am recording this podcast deep into the night, uh, Toronto and Denver are literally in a tie game in the fourth quarter. So, I'm not going to wait and, uh, and vamp, but there's actually a swing point we'll come back to in a second on that. Um, no matter what, the Hawks at this moment on Monday evening are now four and a half games back of the Nets for the sixth seed. They're two and a half games behind Miami for the seventh seed. And again, Miami now has the tiebreaker over the Hawks given the season series. So they can't just tie there. And that means the Hawks are um, effectively three and a half games behind Miami at this point. Uh, Toronto is playing well recently. If they win against Denver tonight, they would actually pass the Hawks in the standings and put the Hawks down to ninth. If the Raptors lose that close game that I'm trying to monitor as I'm talking right now, the Hawks would be a half game ahead of Toronto, but no matter what, they're right there with Toronto in that 8-9 matchup. So they are much closer to nine than they are to six or seven at this moment. And then also the team that's 10th in the standings is the Wizards? So the Hawks go to Washington for the next two games on Wednesday and Friday. They have these back-to-back series on a four-game road trip. Um, this time around, no back-to-backs to start the start the uh, this, this uh, back-to-back series. But actually, the Hawks should benefit because Washington actually plays on Tuesday in Detroit. So the Hawks will actually have a rest advantage despite having to go on the road to Washington. Um, and look, they lost two, they lost the close game, the back-and-forth game to the Wizards last week at home. And I'm sure they'll have some revenge on their minds. I believe the Hawks are better than the Wizards, but certainly uh, nothing is, is assured on the road. I think if you're the Hawks, you got to get greedy now. What, what you didn't want to have to happen was uh, get swept in Miami, but now you kind of need to sweep this series in, in Washington. One and one means a one and three road trip, and then the Celtics be looming on uh, on Saturday, so that'll be tough for the Hawks for sure. So uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'll have a podcast between between now and Wednesday. So I'll just say this now: Hawks Wizards Wednesday Wednesday with with uh, Washington having a rest disadvantage is a spot where the Hawks just need to win to have their actual goals uh, met this season, kind of similar to to tonight's game, but I would say an easier matchup in a lot of different ways. I think Miami's better than Washington, also rest advantage and all that stuff. So circle that one, and we'll come back to it at the very least after the game on Wednesday. That's all I have for tonight's game. Unfortunate, obviously, for the Hawks, but uh, they'll have some time. uh, I will say still 17 games remaining. It's getting pretty late in the calendar, and the Hawks are going to have to close, I think, to avoid the play-in. Like I don't know, twelve and five, something, something's pretty impressive to get that sixty at this point. It's more likely now, honestly, to just like angle for that to get in a seven-eight matchup because that allows you to not have to be in a one-and-done scenario in the play-in. So we'll have more on that in the future. But uh, that's what happens when you stack losses, and it's not Quinn Snyder's fault. But when you uh, lose games in the first sixty, they do come back to bite you at the end of the schedule. All right. Thanks for to the show, everybody. I really appreciate all the support in recent days and also even before that, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, please subscribe to the show across podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. We're on the Odyssey, we're on the Odyssey app, the Overcast app, all those places, plus we're over on YouTube. So... Uh, hit that like button and subscribe. All that fun stuff on the video side. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roll, and also follow my Patreon. Which again had a guest post from guest video, actually from Glenn Willis uh, over the last couple of days. That that was a fun uh, sort of segment. I appreciate Glenn for doing that. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the show, everybody. I really appreciate that. And we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Wednesday.